Mini episode 1225 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. My remaining drama picks are, uh, as I said, Ozark. Uh, John from Cincinnati, highly underrated one-season show on HBO. Uh, I don't care about the city. City's a nice city, but like I don't care enough about Cincinnati to tune in. And ever since WKRP, I left. I left that city behind. It, uh, I'm not sure if you're saying that in an ironical way. I, I, I hoped, <laughs> Russ. I hoped that you were okay. All right. Here. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, there, there's no mentions of Skyline Chili or anything uh, about the Buckeye State aside from the city of Cincinnati once uh, during the show. Uh, but uh, I'm, I have a very old school one here, and I think you can only find this on YouTube. Crime Story. I'm a big Dennis Farina guy, and uh, Crime oh, Story. I, I remember that show from back in the day. That was pretty good. Dennis Farina's a good actor. Yes. No question about it. And I remember reading a thing, an interview with Dice Clay, where he was talking about this, and that. Like, because Farina was a former police officer and believed in method acting. And Dice Clay was like, man, in some of those scenes, he manhandled me. And he said he would apologize afterwards. He was like, no, you got to do it, man. It looked good. But it was like, it's pretty funny to think about how Dice Clay is getting beaten up for real in those scenes. Uh, Since he acts like a tough guy. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, Mad Men is also on my list, obligatory. Uh, Yeah, that's right. It's not a show for everybody. I, I, I... no, it's not. I, I recommended it to Jason Jones, and he tapped out before this point. But would you agree with me? If you make it to Nixon versus Kennedy, then you're going to be hooked. But that's like yeah, oh, absolutely. That's like ten episodes yeah. in, so you got to last I mean, a while. You got to swim yeah, through a lot of slow waters to make it that far. But if you make it that far, there's no looking back. You do. And uh, what's her name? The big star now, boss. I mean, she's oh yes, everything. Yes, and, and she's great in that. Um, but I did really get that. It took me by surprise, and I was happy when they had like that one episode about the original Mets. Oh that yeah, great. yeah. The first season, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's there's all kinds of little nuggets in there, and then the yeah. last one that I have, I referenced this before. This is a show that is on. Uh, I don't. I think it's Stars, but uh, an excellent show. Uh, it, the the show Counterpart. Uh, it is set in Berlin, but it is half spy thriller, half sci-fi, and it is set in today's Berlin. And it is, yeah, an, an excellent, excellent uh, uh, show. And it's it's about all you know th- that instead of East Berlin versus West Berlin, there are two versions of the same reality. That there were there was a split in reality. That there was some Cold War experiment went awry in 1987. And it created what was, at that time, an immediate carbon copy of the next world. And then there is divergences over the next 30 years or so. And it it comes to a point where the two worlds 
might become at war with one another. Uh, that there's basically been like communication between the two worlds, but it starts to fray. You start to get infiltration uh, of, of the two worlds from folks from the other side who are stirring up trouble. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a really, really great show. So that sums up, uh, that, that's the end of my honorable mention list for dramas. For documentaries, uh, your recommendations, Russ Cohen, Dark Side of the Ring 1 and 2, and Tiger King. Okay. So some might say recency bias, but those are all very good. No, I mean, but again, when we're talking about streaming, like as an example, top comedies, one of my all-time favorites is The Odd Couple. You can't stream that anywhere. You had to upload it on CD or yes. DVD, uh, DVD or, or VHS, rather. I had both, but it's just not out there. So I took those with recency bias because they're all great. And I haven't gone back to Dark Side of the Ring, but I have to um, start watching some of the others. But no, they're great. Tiger King, I, I'm ashamed of myself that I liked it that much. <laughs> And really liked when the the latest episode came out. It, I wanted to, you know, hurt people when they were hurting the uh, the tiger. That that part. Yeah. Um, not happy. Not happy to find out about um, just all of it. It's just 21st century trash. But I admit I watched. It was really good. It's uh, it's on my honorable mention list. No question about it. And 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 speaking I feel of like Joel, uh-huh. I feel like Joel, did, you know. Um, Joel McHale, McHale. yeah, McHale's really good. He's very good, so he was a good guy to have doing that last uh, episode. He was indeed, which, uh, speaking of animals, I'm guessing that you're probably spending less time during this pandemic watching TVG than I am. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a safe bet. (laughs) Hey, say what you will, though. You watch that channel, and it gives the deceptive sense that all is normal in the world. (laughs) So can't, can't put a price tag on that right now. Johnny Adams' picks, National Geographic on Disney, Mind of a Chef, and Viking Warrior Women, all of which I know nothing about. Viking Warrior Women sounds like a porno, so I don't know. It kind of does, doesn't it? And National Geographic on Disney, I'm extrapolating that that's probably a lot of coverage of far-flung areas and stuff like that, I'm guessing. Which, by the way, um, I don't... Because I was asking for specific titles, I can't think of any specific titles that I would recommend, but I really love documentary-type stuff. I love the stuff they've done in in recent years with, like, the zoom-in cameras and stuff. Anything of, like, animals attacking each other, bugs fighting, any of that kind of, like, nature-violent stuff, I love it. I just can't recommend a specific title. I don't like the nature-violence, but I like the um, the time-elapsed stuff that they have. That's um, cool, too, yeah. Pulling this one out, though, because this is, again, another BBC. I bought this at the dollar store. Okay. And it's called Shark. Okay. And it's amazing. Interesting. It's maybe the best shark documentary I've ever seen. It's, I'm telling you, it's, I got it at the dollar store. Okay. It's a Blu-ray. So, oh, good to know. Well, it can, it can probably be found somewhere, I'm sure. Chris Galloway says yeah. his recommendation would be anything Ken Burns, especially baseball. So. No. You, you, I, don't, you don't like baseball? Okay. I do like baseball, okay. obviously. Um, I've just written a new book, baseball book, so I clearly like it. I'm saying capital capital B baseball. You're, you're not a fan of the Ken Burns documentary baseball. No, I'm okay with it until we got to the late 60s, 70s, when all of a sudden I knew about the subject matter he was talking about and felt like he really slanted things, and I, I didn't like it then. 
I, I, I was okay with everything up until then. I, although now, um, years later, since I did write a book about like the 1890s through the early 1900s, I kind of would probably take issue with him on a few other things, but I was fine all the way until the line of like the, the late 60s. Then all of a sudden, I didn't like what Ken was doing. Okay. All right. I, I don't even know the specifics of what you're talking about because I haven't I seen... I can't tell you anymore because okay. it's been so many years. I wish I could, but I found some, like, stretches. Okay. Maybe not inaccuracies, but stretches. Re All right. I've never watched it, so I wouldn't know. But uh, Ron Glasnap also recommends Ken Burns Baseball. It's first on his list. He also says, PBS Pioneers of TV and When We Were Kings. I've seen a little bit of Pioneers of TV and really loved it. Never seen When We Were Kings, but I feel like I should. And I feel like that's probably one you have watched, Ross. I don't know. I gotta look that one up. It sounds familiar. The one that that's like I, I I think that's the one that's complete. I think it's completely built around Rumble in the Jungle. It's Ollie. It's Foreman. Oh, yeah, it's, I saw that. Did you? Was it good? It was good. Okay. It was very good. I gotta I, check I, it out. I I was a Joe Frazier fan. I did not like Ollie, but when you watch this, you realize how much of a disadvantage Foreman was was at. I right. don't even think he realized it until he got there. Not not a. Not a fan of holding up the toy gorilla, were you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't get me started. Everybody that's fond thoughts about Muhammad Ali, I have some other things that I could talk about, and I'm not going to because I'm a better man than that. <laughs> well, as somebody who's not a better man, who likes Ali less, you or Bob Feller? <laughs> well, Russ, we'll leave it at that, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that's a there's an inside joke for the ages. Uh, I'm but say Bob Feller. I have to say yeah, Bob Feller. Probably uh, Bob Feller less popular in the Russ Cohen household than he is in Cleveland, Ohio. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave Adams would be picks of Bowling for Columbine and Super Size Me. And uh, Super Size Me was very good. That was really good. I haven't seen it. Uh, for me, this was tough because I don't have as much of a hierarchy in my mind. It was hard to say what are my top three and where do I go from there as far as that because there, there's not as much of a line of demarcation for me as far as the ones I like the most and the other ones. But here goes. I'm going to take this collectively, and this is a wide, wide berth. I mean, this is a wider berth than Ken, Chris saying anything Ken Burns. I'm going to say... 30 for 30 collectively, because there's so many great gems in there. To, to me, the best one, and I'd be surprised if you didn't love it, was uh, June 17th, 1994. I mean, that might be the creme de la creme of them. Have you ever seen no, that that's one? that's great. I, I, you know what? Maybe because I'm working on a Jets book now, the uh, the 83 draft one was pretty spectacular, because okay. I remember watching it, Okay. and there were like 10 people in attendance, right? Like, it just showed... Uh, it was pretty funny. I thought they did a great job on that, too. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, there, there are so many great things in the 30 for 30s. Uh, I'm going to say Dark Side of the Ring collectively and uh, Season 2. And actually, today, I just watched the Herb Abrams one. Holy crap. I mean, that was just... Okay, see, I need to watch it. Okay. Oh, my God. There's, like, there's like nothing that could prepare you for that one, probably. Uh, it, it is amazing. And uh, I, I, I didn't want mine to be all sports or wrestling oriented. It just so happened it worked out that way. So when I'm thinking about the rest of them, again, very hard to pick. But if I had to pick a third one, gun to my head, I would say Evil Genius. Uh, largely because the case kind of fascinated me at the time, the Pizza Bomber and Erie. Uh, yeah. 
fun fact, my dad and I were in Erie the weekend that that was released, ironically. So, wow. Uh, I was yeah. only, I watched Evil Genius. I really did like it. Uh, I was just mesmerized by it. Um, I was in Erie once, but that was, um, I, I went up to see Erie play um, Barry uh, for a hockey game, and it was literally Aaron Eckblad against um, Connor McDavid before they got drafted, so I knew that this was going to be first-round pick, and so I said, you know what, I got to get up there, and I drove like eight hours to get up there, so that was worth it. Uh, Erie's a weird town, yeah. it is, uh, I found it kind of creepy, and we went into a bar, and I have to say, that was even creepier. There's some nice things about it, don't get me wrong, but I'm not rushing back to, to Erie, uh, just, just not done it. Uh, it, it, it is a weird town. Uh, I, I've, I've said to my dad, because my dad and I were... Uh, Barry That's yeah. We were up at the uh, up at the racetrack that weekend, and uh, I said to my dad, I don't know if he has as much interest in it, that I'd like to go back and maybe do the tour of uh, Evil Genius, like drive to the different places and stuff. That would be kind of oh, interesting. Wouldn't that be spooky uh, to go to the, all yeah, the places that were, uh, that were listed in there? I was there, the only time I'd ever been there previously, uh, this is a weird story, at a uh, bowling tournament back around uh, 93, uh, I was there, I was, I was, I was, uh, after the bowling was done, uh, for whatever reason, I was completely drunk off my ass and uh, got to meet uh, Bob Learn, one of the great uh, PBA stars of the 90s, he was a very nice guy, okay. probably wasn't too impressed with me and my intoxicated state. But, uh, <laughs> Did you get him to sign your ball? Is that what uh, one bowler does with another? I just don't know. Uh, no, but uh, that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, far be it. Did you tell him that you that you you know how many three hundred games you had, and it just kind of yawned because you probably doubled that. Well, what's funny? Any of that conversation happened? You say that. You're a you say that without even knowing that he. At, I think at one point in the nineties had the the world record, I think. He had about 60 at one point in the 90s, so no, he wouldn't have been impressed with my one, which, by the way, I was two years away from getting my one when I was there. But as far as me being a uh, good bowler, uh, Russ, far be it for me to humble brag about what my average ended up being at the end of the year, <coughs> 215. <coughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, never, I never even broke a 200. I, I, hit a one, I think I was at a 197 with my high bowling game ever. It uh, it's it's a it's a sport I love. I love uh, competing with my friends. Uh, my my sport though, that's, that's another argument. I will take a great umbrage with anybody that says that it is not. Uh, and it, I, I'm so I'm somebody by by the way too. I'm spending somebody that's spending time on lockdown watching old PBA tournaments. I watched the '93 national championship today for God's sake. So you know. I know people are watching PBA. I was shocked. Kevin Allen, who we have on once a week. He's telling me he's watching PBA, and I'm like, oh, Kevin. Yeah. I, I watched it when I was a kid because there was nothing on. I get it, but I'm not watching it now. It, uh, yeah, you, well, I, I remember hearing at one point, because don't you have a friend named Pete or Peter Weber or something? And I remember thinking, yeah, like, Pete Weber, like, I'm like, the National Predator I was like, I was like, the Pete Weber, but it wasn't the one I was thinking <laughs> of. <laughs> but, uh, Pete Weber's better in my eyes. <laughs> well,. Pete Weber, I'm thinking of, won the Triple Crown a couple times over. I think he's a five-time yeah, U.S. champion. You're, you're such a Red Wings fan that you wouldn't even like that Pete Weber because, you know, 
Exactly. That's uh, that's the team that ended Nick Lidstrom's career. So yes, I, I would be hard pressed to, go. and I'm sure that he was announcing that with joy in his voice. So that would probably taint my opinion <laughs> of him. <laughs> I'll ask Pete the next time I speak. Please do. Yeah, mention my moment of great torment and see if he reacted to it with glee. <laughs> but uh, my other documentary picks: uh, The Devil Next Door which I could weirdly relate to as a child of the 80s, okay? And I grew up in the suburb next to Seven Hills. So the Demyanyuk thing was right on my doorstep the whole time. And I got to tell you, I mean, it, it was hard to live in the greater Cleveland area. And it, it was I a thing where, it, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, like the government did a lot of shady crap. And it was easy yeah. to look at it and go, they're framing this guy. But it's like... Oh, Diamond the Terrible, sure, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah, and that's like, you watch it, and it's like, oh, holy crap, they might have been framing him, but I think this dude did some shit. And it was like, that was like, really, and I was like, it was really jarring to watch that, to realize that the... What that thing was, the Nazis that got back to the States here, um, they were collecting Social Security. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we used some of them in the... Some of them in the rocket program, too. But as far as potentially framing a guilty person, it is similar to making a murderer, which is also on my list. Season one, to me, was better than season two. Season two had kind of jumped the shark because that was the point at which everybody was already known to the public. But uh, I have both Fire Festival documentaries on here. Oh, I don't, Fire Festival was great. I yes. I watched the one. It was great. I don't remember which one I like better, Hulu or Netflix, but watch them both. You want to watch them both just because you're getting different, you know, stories from I different like people. I the Netflix one. That's okay. The one I those, are, those are both really good. Uh, I have Tiger King on my honorable mention as well. Uh, the Seven Five. I watched it. I checked it out. I'm big into, you know. One thing about Tiger King. Yeah. I still feel like Shaq is really skirting that whole thing because... You can't, and then of course Mike Tyson said, oh yeah, I may have gotten a tiger from that. I find, and Shaq is a nice guy, I've interviewed him, I think he is a decent guy, but don't act like you barely knew the guy or whatever. Clearly you got caught up in it, and there's no question Tyson did, because he's a jerk anyhow. Yeah, well, I got, I got a funny Shaq story for you. I don't know if you remember, I don't know if it was 2017 or 2018 in the Eastern Conference Finals, but... Do you remember, you, I'm sure you weren't watching it on TNT, but do you remember hearing no. about when he unveiled his foot and there was all the fungus all over it because he was dealing with a yeah. fungal? Okay. All right. So back up about four days So when, when they were still in Cleveland. So my friend and his wife bumped into him at a Walgreens on the west side of Cleveland where he was just coming from the dispensary getting what we now know was the fungus thing here posed for a picture of my friend's wife. He's 7'2", she's 5'2". It is a comical picture. It is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. And then to find out days later on national TV, like, oh my God, that's why they ran into Shaq at Walgreens. <laughs> it's just very, oh, very random. But uh, I also have uh, the 7'5 on my list. That's a pretty good true crime uh, drama. Abducted in Plain Sight, which is creepy as hell, but is really compelling. I think I've saw. I think I've seen that. The one where the the guy seduces the underage daughter from this family and they basically just let him do it because they were so mesmerized yeah. and tricked by him. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, weird but compelling as hell. Uh, Get Me Roger Stone was a very interesting one as well. Uh, you're, 
your mileage may vary on how much you enjoy it, but as somebody who's always enjoyed political trickery, uh, he is one of the godfathers of it, uh, so I found it entertaining. Uh, the Last Dance, for all the issues I have with it, I still wouldn't say that I wouldn't recommend it, I guess, uh, for all the issues that I have. It's it's good for what it is. It's infotainment, not journalism. Take right. it that way. Uh, Beyond the Mat, that was an excellent documentary from back in the day. Really, really good. Uh, you know, He's gonna puke! If those who watched it know what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I will also go with Ron Glasnap's pick of PBS Pioneers of TV. And I will also say, too, uh, that it, it does a lot of things that don't always necessarily suit my point of view, so I don't always appreciate the slant that they have. But as far as entertainment, whatever, PBS Frontline. I mean, you know, they've, they've done some pretty decent documentary stuff over a period of time. I won't necessarily vouch for the accuracy, but as far as being compelling to watch, you know, I'll give it that, so. There you go. You know, yeah, so that's that's my recommendations, my thoughts on documentaries, uh, on my honorable mentions there. And again, you know, that's the point, is that there there's a deep list that's out there for people. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to call the opinions of a couple of you guys, throw in some stuff from myself, because people are relying upon this in this time. And we're looking at, like I said at the outset, a minimum of another couple of months where the, the, the goings are going to be sparse out there. But then again, the, I think the very point of what we're trying to get across to people is there's never been a deeper, thicker sort of uh, canvas out there as far as stuff to go watch. Anybody no, that says luckily, that they're bored luckily, isn't watching enough stuff. Yeah, there's so much. If this, you know, if this were 20 years ago, we'd all be just watching HBO or Showtime or whatever. We're, we're very lucky in that regard that there's a lot of things that could at least make the hours go by. I'll tell you what, Russ, as, as a tiny kid uh, in, in the 70s, if this happened in the 70s, people would be rioting. I mean, if this was like, think about if this yeah. was like pre-cable, for God's sake. I mean, we'd oh, all be boy. dead. It'd be the apocalypse. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can stream stuff everywhere. I'm not one of these people, by the way, who is like, most people I know are snobs. They're like, I would never watch anything on my phone. I watch stuff on my phone and my tablet all the time. I don't care. It doesn't have to be on my TV. So... No, you know. I'll watch it wherever it is, however I can get it. I'm with you, man. Yeah, yeah, it's. Plus, you can mirror. I can mirror my phone on my TV, so what's the difference? Sure. Yeah, exactly. It's it's perfect for that kind of stuff. But I can't thank you enough for being here, uh, Russ, uh, for for breaking this oh, down, giving your thoughts on this stuff, and uh, yeah, you know, you you had mentioned uh, you know working on a Jets book before. We can't let you go without. I know you have uh, a newer thing that is just out that is already uh, in the public domain. So talk about what you just had released here, what you got coming up, plug away. Okay, appreciate it. So, um, yeah, Sticks and Stones is a, um, a book on college hockey health repair issue. <clears throat> Excuse me for life. Uh, it is available on Kindle. It's doing really well on the Kindle because of obvious reasons. Uh, Steve Carell's in it. He's, you know, he was a goalie for Denison University. Uh, a lot of different players in it. Uh, Justin Applicator from your Detroit Red Wings mm -hmm. is in it. Uh, they're not all superstars, you know, some people are, are just really good players with great stories, uh, so look for that, I think people will really enjoy that, and then there's baseball's best rookies, um, only deals with everybody's rookie season, again, not all superstars, I mean, we, you know, we have the Tom Seavers, and then we also have, um, Tony Oliva, we have, you know, Richie Allen, or Dick Allen, however you want to call them, guys like that, guys who we think maybe should be in the Hall of Fame like Dick Allen, 
Uh, other interesting players like that, we did recently add Jacob DeGrom, we added Aaron Judge, we added, because um, of the second edition, Bryce Harper, and we added Shoei Otani. Uh, it pains me that I could not add Pete Alonso, but that would have held up the uh, <laughs> another six months, because I had to hand it in before he got announced Rookie of the Year, and while it looked like he was going to get it, never know what's going to happen, and that's a nightmare for a publisher, and, yeah. you know, they'd, they'd probably never work with me again if I jumped the gun on it, and for some reason, it didn't happen. So, we had to leave Pete out of it, but a, a, a fun book, I think it's it's one of those where I felt like it's very unusual because of the way it does um, get a guy and just track his rookie season. Uh, I'm going to give you one of the players, too, and obviously tons of Dodgers in it, um, well, while you're while you're doing that, I will mention that from yeah, yeah. A, from a provincial parochial standpoint, uh, I appreciate as you're going through the list of guys there who didn't end up amounting to much of anything. I appreciate you not disparaging Joe Charbonneau, Super Joe, <laughs> in no, the Super process. Joe's in there. Um, yes, he's in he's in there. Um, that's actually on page seventy-seven. What we loved about Shoots, what I remember about him. Um, was that he took off a um, tattoo with a race blade. And so I, I remember how he wrote a lot of the American League stuff, how he carpeted he's a, uh, a, a, basically an official sport for the Mets and Yankees. And so he, he wanted Super Joe in there. So, yeah, that was, that was nice. we got guys like Stan Thompson. we got, you know, Yankees and Mets, there, there's no shortage of. But I'm trying to take the guy with the Cincinnati Reds pitcher, and, and now it's going to bug me because I'm not going to find it. Um, but that's okay. Look it up. People will like it. It, again, doesn't have every superstar, but, you know, it's got a lot of Mets, Yankees, whatever. But, no, we didn't forget Joe Sharp. Kind of, so well, we you mentioned that about the razor blade. That's not even the thing he's most known for if you're getting to oddities. The thing that everybody seems to talk about is uh, using his eye socket to take uh, the, the bottle cap off of a bottle of beer. Yes. That's the one that tends to get mentioned more. Oh, and, okay. Uh, the guy who I couldn't figure out was Scott Williamson, and okay. it was it was interesting because um, Dimitri Young, who I'm kind of friendly with, I've interviewed him a few times over the years, run into him in person. Great guy. He gave me great quotes about Scott Williamson, and you know he he played for the Reds, so just so you know, I wasn't negative against the Reds. Sure. Um, and he, uh, you know, he was like, "Hey, this is great that you did something on him," because I got to tell you, he. You know, that year he was unbelievable. And so he was all pumped up about it. And and I'll even give you one more thing. On the back, there's a quote from Dwight Good, and I think this resonates and made me really good, feel good that I came up with this concept for the book. And basically said, <clears throat> you only have one shot at winning the rookie of the year. It meant more to me than the Cy Young. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, yeah. Now, I, 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 again, not to say that that doesn't get, uh, you know, muffed from time to time here. Uh, you look at how, uh, if I may be a homer, how Kenny Lofton got screwed over, how Manny Ramirez got screwed over. So, sure. you know, these, these things will uh, be a, 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 a skid mark on history, unfortunately, from time to time. But hopefully most of the time they get it right, Russ. I'd say, I'd say most of the time they do. Honestly, after doing the book, we, we didn't have that many arguments. And then we also have a ranking of the top rookies of all time. So, and that got updated too when we added the other guys. So, yeah, um, a lot of fun. You know, Mike Trout's in that book. A lot of good guys.
Yep, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. And uh, again, looking forward to seeing uh, how that Jets book uh, comes out. And uh, it's, I'll tell you what the concept is. It's a fan-oriented book. I'm doing with Adam Lord, the same guy I did the college hockey book with. And it's going to recount certain moments, games, whatever, with the Jets. And like Adam will start it off. And sometimes I'll answer with my pain from that or joy from that, or somebody else will, maybe somebody famous, maybe just another fan, and, and so we're kind of going through it that way, and we're kind of hoping at the end it's therapeutic, that's all. I'm guessing you don't have an awful lot of sympathy for what I'm about to say, but I have two very good friends who left the Browns-Jets game, playoff game of 86, early in disgust. I'm guessing you don't feel sorry for them. <laughs> I do not, and the only thing I can follow up is, at the uh, NHL draft in 2001, there was a party, and one of the um, silent owners of the Florida Panthers was one Bernie Kosar. Yes. So I walk into the bar, and there's Bernie Kosar. And so <laughs> we start to get a drink with Bernie, and we're talking to him, and I tell him I'm a Jets fan, and we go through the whole thing, and he's laughing, and I, you know, I told him how mad I was with the gas, no luck the quarterback penalty, and I don't think he'd had enough time to win that game. And I don't think he disagreed with that. Um, but I still said, hey, you were great to do it, and he was, because he still had to win it, yeah. And but that game tormented me, there's no question, but he is a great guy, I have to say, Bernie Kosar is a great guy, I hold no ill will, I do hold ill will against Dan Marino. Wonderful guy, I'm, I'm a Marino fan, because I'm, I'm a Dolphins fan secondarily as well, but so I, I love them both, but uh, yeah, Bernie is uh, a wonderful guy, and, and I will say, I actually rewatched a good chunk of that uh, game. I think it was all on YouTube, the Browns-Jets game. Like, I, I, I don't remember from at the time how absolutely god-awful ragged we looked, especially offensively for most of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. If yeah. you don't get that roughing the quarterback penalty, you don't win the game. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, we, we looked, oh, my God, we looked like crap uh, for, for most of it. It did it, it not occur to me. Until I rewatched it, well, it, it, it's funny because earlier in this coronavirus crisis series, we, we did a, a a thing on mental health with uh, Vance Johnson, who I, I always get a laugh oh, every yeah. every time I introduce him. We always get a laugh out of I, it, young Ricky Morris. Never would have believed how excited I am to be speaking to one of the three amigos. But uh, you know, I said to him, I said rewatching the drive, I said it was amazing. I said, it wasn't the Three Amigos that was killing us, it was most of the Scrivinis. And he said, and yeah. this was a great story that he told, and he said, Elway said to me in the huddle at the beginning, because he would come to me toward the end of games, he goes, Vance, you're just going to be a decoy. Run around out there, get these other guys open. And he says, that's what I did. I was like, holy crap, that's a great story. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good story. Um, when you have your own Ernest Binder moment, so yes. let's never forget that. Yes, 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 we do, and that is why, again, for anybody that wondered in 2016 at the Caps Parade why Ernest Biner was invited for the All is Forgiven moment, that's because we finally got our moment here. We finally got our moment, people. That's why, uh, again. He really was a great player. He was. He was a tremendous running back. He well, really was. It was very unfortunate, but it was very Cleveland Browns, and that's just the way it goes with the Browns. I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know if the Browns are much better this year either. We'll see. Well, I, you know, I, 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 you know, having having a smart coach uh, certainly is a large step in the right direction. A system fit 
I think, a uh, pretty good offseason as far as adding players. But I will say as far as Biner goes, I think I think you and I were talking about this one time on Facebook, and you were like, why did they ever get rid of Biner? Or just they scapegoat him in one game. I'm like, no, dude, because the next year he had a mental block, and he kept fumbling. That's what it was. Yeah. And well, Mike Oliphant, I think they figured, get a scat back in here. You'll be able to go thunder and lightning with Kevin Mack. Well, famous last words on that one. So, you know, things don't hey, always... Nobody, nobody had more tearaway jerseys than Greg Pruitt. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I will say this, though, by the way. The one thing that you and anybody else can't deny, I was saying this a year ago, best back this team has had since Leroy Kelly retired in 73, Nick Chubb. Real deal, bro. Yeah. You got to admit that oh, yeah. my boy is the man in the NFL right now. Right. So yeah. yeah, so you know, hopefully we'll have an NFL to look forward to this year. But streaming is the one thing that will never leave us. Well, so long as there's an internet, and if you can't stream, you can't hear this show anyway. So it's you know, I'm not being made to look stupid if that's the case. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Although unless somebody's downloaded it, Russ, and then there's no internet, and then they could laugh at me for saying streaming will always be here, but. That's a remote possibility, is it not? Far, far, far be it from us. Need to some, to need somebody to help us make this work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm always capable on my own. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I always need to have somebody with me here to get through a segment such as this. Pleasure that it was uh, you, Russ Cohen. Thank you so much, and thank you everybody for checking out this segment of the FBH Lounge. <laughs>